Yeah, next week will be the uh, due date on that. Alright, notice, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. So go to the Gospel of John, and go to chapter 15. I just mentioned this chapter to the children, in our children's chat. But I want to turn, for us adults, to this passage and portion of Scripture. And I want to look at a few things this morning um, concerning of all topics, election. Today's sermon is actually the elect. Last week was the water, dealing with the waters of baptism. Uh, this week we'll talk about the elect of God. Notice the, notice the words that are used here. Um, Jesus speaking here in John 15. We'll start with verse 12. This is My commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your holy Word to us. Now, Holy Spirit, would You come and meet with us in these moments that we have to speak truth into our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, uh, I had some uh, yard work done. Now, I've never in my life paid anyone to do anything in my yard, namely because my yard wasn't worth it. Uh, Since we've moved into our new house, the yard has become worth it. And we had a project that we wanted to get done, and we had a very good offer to get it done. A bunch of trees, and we love trees. I'm kind of a Tolkien fan, and he loves trees, and Lewis loves trees, so I like trees. And God made trees, so they're good. And so, God made us a proposal, and and we went with it. Even though it was a good uh, chunk of change, we, we felt like it was the right thing to do. And so I paid him half, you know, and then he continued to work, and then... Uh, he was on the last day of his work and, you know, went ahead and paid him. He was asking about midday. And sadly, he left after I paid him and he never returned. Nor did he return my phone calls or text or I can't find him anymore. And so he's been a no-show for two weeks. I called every single day and left a thousand voice messages and there was nothing. And I, and I thought to myself, boy, this is not good. You know, and, and ultimately, I was only out about $150 worth of labor work. But even so, that's still $150 worth of labor work. And I thought to myself, well, I already know the lesson. And that is, don't pay people in full until the job is completely finished. Uh, and of course, my dad reinforced that to me, being the father that he is. And the businessman and mindedness that he is, uh, he also reinforced that. But I've tried to rack my brain about, you know, Lord, please let me learn something from this other than just I've lost money. Um, and, and I think I got it. And that is this. 
Jesus has paid it all, right? We sing this, right? He's paid in full for our salvation. He's paid in full for everything that He wants to have accomplished. In other words, when He's on the cross, He says, it is finished. The work is done. His work is done. He's paid in full. And yet, isn't there work for us to be doing? Aren't we supposed to be commissioned to do a certain job? And yet, the problem seems to be, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my own life I find this, that because Jesus has paid it all, I can sit back and relax and do nothing. I don't have to come to the job anymore. It's optional if I come or not, which apparently became optional as soon as I handed him the other money. The paid in full. You see where we're going with this is that we are to be on mission. We are commanded. We are in contract with God. And He has already paid His part for the work to be done. And yet a lot of times the work is not done. We're not doing it. His church. Notice notice the words of John here. Commandment is mentioned three times here in these few verses that we read. He begins this way, doesn't he? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then he ends this way in verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Love is our commandment. It is what we are to be doing. It is our life in Christ is to love. Not emotional love only, but a deep commitment to the job. He has commissioned us. He has called us. He has, theologically word, theological word, elected us for His work, for His ministry in the world. And so, you know, what are we supposed to be doing? Well, you got to realize that John 15 here is, obviously, the, the small portion we read is not the whole entire thing. John 15 is known to be about abiding in the vine, living in the vine and producing fruit. Jesus introduces this image right up front in John 15. But John 15 also is a part of a larger section of Scripture where, remember, Jesus is getting very intimate with His disciples. You remember that right here is actually probably the very night on which He is betrayed. We're positive of this. Because remember, they have the foot washing in 13, which is where the Lord's Supper took place. They probably left that upper room where they had the supper and are now traveling to the garden where Jesus will pray. Upon traveling there, they no doubt pass trees. And Jesus gives us this pastoral context of, look here guys, the vine, I am the vine. The branches, you are the branches. If you abide in Me, then you will produce much fruit. Fruit, He says, that will last. Now, we've been talking a good bit about the different things and parts of our ministry as a church. And I would just add to that this. This church was started. It was named. It was envisioned to be a place 
where you could produce much fruit. You know, I grew up in church and I saw many people that came Sunday in, Sunday out, and yet produced no fruit in their life at all. It was just something they did. It was just something that their parents had did, had done. Sorry. Um, and there was no fruit in their life. I don't want to be a part of a church where people are not being fruitful for the kingdom of God. We don't just meet just to meet and tell each other we're okay. This is not a social gathering. This is, this is kind of like what C.S. Lewis again describes in Mere Christianity. It's a meeting behind enemy lines to usurp the enemy who has looked, seemingly conquered the entire world. The world looks like it's on fire today. All over the world there are all kinds of things bad that are going. But you know what? We're having a meeting here with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is informing us of what we need to be doing this week. What we need to be getting involved with. He's commissioned us. He has commanded us. That's the key thing here. Commanded us to do this. It's really, it's really something, something struck me that I had not seen before in this text. We talk about God being our friend. And you know Moses was the friend of God and this sort of thing. Well, in reading this week and studying this passage... I, I, I just was shocked, I guess. Maybe you already knew this. But he says, you are my friends. And we're like, alright. That is awesome, Jesus. I'm glad to be known as the friend of God, right? If. That makes it conditional. You know, if I say, hey, you and I are friends, if. Well, that means that we're not friends if you, if you don't meet the condition. Notice here, we are friends, you are my friends, if. You do what I command you. That doesn't sound like a friend talking to you, does it? <laughs> Your friends probably don't talk to you and say, I command you to do this. If not, we're not friends, buddy. You're like, man, that's not really much of a friend. We're not dealing with just a friend. We're dealing with God. Jesus is God. And sometimes we, we get too comfortable with God. We feel like... You've already paid it all. I can sit back, relax. Job is done. The job's not done. And He's calling us like I was furiously, frantically, repetitively calling this individual to, hey, come back out finish the job. Come back out finish the job. And God is saying to us today, come finish the job. You say, when will the job be done? Well, two ways. When He comes back, we'll be done. Or when you leave this earth, you'll be done. But until then, you are called to be a witness and give your entire life to the things of God, to His ministry, to His mission, His work in the world. We are to be connected into the vine. And being a branch on that vine, we will produce fruit. If you're not connected, you won't produce fruit. Actually, Jesus says elsewhere in John 15, He says, look, without being in Me, you can do nothing. Nothing. I think what he means by that is nothing worthwhile. Nothing that will last in this life. You may do great things and get accolades from other people, but not from God. And He's ultimately the only one that matters. See, He has chosen us, John says here. Through, or Jesus says, John writing here, He says, look, I chose you. You did not choose Me. 
This is what it means to be elect, is to be the chosen ones. We are God's chosen ones. He has chosen us to do the work of His ministry. I've often related it to like letting my kids run our finances. And yet He invites us into His work. He wants us to do His work in the world. His work is finished. Now it's our turn to reciprocate what He has done. He says this, look, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? How did He love His disciples? He gave of Himself. He gave of His life. He did not try to hold on to His life. Instead, He gave it to those who were closest to Him. Guys, that's, that's exactly what we're called to do. Whoever is closest to you, your husband, your wife, your family, your job, your co-workers, your friends, that's who we are to give our life to primarily. Yes, we can go on mission trips in Africa. That's great. To India. But you know what? If we do all those things and forget the ones who are closest to us, do you think God is pleased with that? I've known missionaries who constantly travel and their family deteriorates. Is that what God wants? Absolutely not. But I've also seen church people that come every Sunday, they give of their money, they do what is basic, but they never get around to producing fruit. (coughs) What kind of fruit? Fruit that lasts. Fruit of the kingdom. The fruit of love. You just heard Nate, one of our kids, in our children's chat, say, here's another fruit we could do. is niceness. Just be nice. Now, that's a great lesson for children who oftentimes are not nice. But you know what? Isn't that also a great lesson for adults who are oftentimes not nice? Now, there's no directive in Scripture that says we must be nice, but we are to love one another. And being nice is something I think that God would want us to do. It's our term for it. But being respectful of the other person in such a way that we don't try to just get our way, but instead are concerned for them. You know, in this passage of Scripture alone, these, these verses here, 12 through 17, you have seven directives. Notice this. I have loved you, Jesus says. I command you. I have called you friends. I have heard from the Father. I have made it known to you. I chose you. I command you. These are directives from God. These are are straight from the Scripture, straight from Jesus' mouth. He has called us. He loves us. He has heard from the Father and has given to us through giving it to the apostles. That same faith has been passed down all the way to today, 2015, this morning. And you are hearing the true Gospel. He loves us. He has called us. And the job is not finished. We are to work until He comes again. He's paid it in full. He deserves it. That's why He can command it. I can call the guy and tell him, Hey buddy, I paid you to do this. Get here. And of course... Because God is a God who has allowed us freedom to choose Him freely, we can say no. Just like this individual said no to me by not saying anything at all. Sometimes our no is not so apparent to everybody else. 
But if it's just nothing, then it's a no. I've often said when I proposed to Jessica, got down on one knee, uh, in that moment I put her in a situation where she had to answer. No matter what she did was an answer. I mean, when, when a guy does that, that puts you in that situation, you know, you're going to give an answer. It doesn't matter. You say, well, I don't really want to answer right now. Well, that's an answer. If you don't say anything, that's an answer. If you walk away, that's an answer. And what they're looking for is yes. What God is looking for is our yes. Are you willing to say that to God? Do you want to work with Him in the ministries that He is making available here? Do you want to come up with a ministry? We're all for that. You know, if you look around and say, man, I wish at Harvest Point they did this. Do it. Don't just wish. Execute. If you can't do it yourself, find somebody. We want to get it done. We want to be the best we can for Jesus. This is all very basic stuff, but it's stuff that needs to be said. He commands us to do it. Again, we're not His friends unless we do what He commands. That's a pretty that's strong language. You know, it's always funny to me that when Jesus meets John, who He was with for three years, plus, probably, on the Isle of Patmos, after He's resurrected, you know, after He's already sitting in the Father's right hand, John has this vision of Jesus, and he doesn't say, What's up, man? Oh, come here and give me a hug. This is awesome. How are you doing? That's not the scene, is it, in Revelation? You read the first part of Revelation, John is on burying his face in the sand. He can't even hardly look at Jesus. Jesus is not just our pal. You know, you have these shirts that Jesus is our homeboy. He's not your homeboy. He's not your girlfriend or boyfriend. He's not your girlfriend. Um, he's not whatever you want him to be. He is God. He commands us to be about his business in the world. And this is good news. This is good news because we have been elected. Notice how Israel is the elect of God in the Old Testament. And this means that they have been chosen not just for individual salvation. In other words, God, the whole Old Testament is not about God choosing Israel above everybody else. So everybody else goes to hell and Israel is saved. That's not what the New Testament is about. Read it and see for yourself. Instead, their election has to do with the ministry to the whole world. They were elected to be a light to the nations. This is what God has called them to do. This is what our election is about. It's not for individual salvation. Oh yeah, you're elected, you're going to heaven, you're not elected, you're going to hell. No, we're elected, Ephesians says, one, in Christ for good works. That's our election. We've been chosen, just like you said here. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Why? So that you can bear fruit. That's why. And so, you know, it's not what you think about yourself or what even other people think about you. One of the best indicators if you're bearing fruit is if you're actually doing it. If you're actually doing it. Um, you know, my kids will fudge the truth sometimes to get out of situations. Sometimes they'll bald face lie to me uh, and I have to bring down the house. 
Because we're a family that we don't lie. We're not going to be that. We're not going to do that in life. But you know, some of us are lying to ourselves. We think we're alright. Jesus paid it all, right? We're done. We're done here. And what we're doing is we're building our own Tower of Babel. We're just going up, up, up. And the further you get, the further you get away from God's work in the world. He says to us, no, that's not my design. I want you to be poured out for the sake of others. Poured out, as Paul says, I am being poured out as a drink offering to the world. Only then will we experience true joy. I mean, you've had it happen before. You've had those moments in your life where you thought, I'm doing something worthwhile. And it's never about yourself. It's never some great accomplishment. Normally when we reach a great accomplishment, we're like, okay, yeah, that's good. We understand at that point that so many other people were involved in that that we were wondering why we should even get credit. You see, we're not created for ourselves. Created for God and for other people. And until we begin to give ourselves to God and other people, we'll never be happy. Amen. We'll be lost. Amen. We'll be drowning in the things of this world. There are plenty of people at your job who don't have purpose in their life. They don't have meaning. I was reading about a 19-year-old last January that you'll remember this in Philadelphia, jumped off uh, a building and committed suicide. 19 years old. And you just, you just wonder, what, you know, why would somebody throw away their life like that? And there's a host of reasons, and we don't always understand or know those reasons. Let me tell you, what we have to do is not get caught up in all the whys, but offer hope. Offer hope to even those who suffer. We don't have all the answers. Jesus is, I don't have all the answers. Jesus is the answer. He is the ultimate answer. And that's all I've got to offer people. But it's the best thing in the world to offer people. Without Christ, we are of all people, Paul says, hopeless. Without hope in the world. But with Jesus, there is true hope, true life, true love, true joy. And this is what He's called us to. This is what He's elected us for. Again, you did not choose me. We didn't create ourselves. We were made for God. We were made to run off of God. And until we do, we'll be empty. It's like running your car off of water to save money. It's not going to work. It's going to break down. You're going to sputter out into the ditch on the side of the road. Some of you are there. Some of you are on the side of the road. You're just kind of plugging through life, trying to make it and... You're still in the car. You're still in the church. You're still trying to do... But you're not producing fruit. You're not going anywhere. Go somewhere with Jesus this year. That's really the message this morning. It's, it's we are elected. You have been called. You have been chosen. It wasn't your doing. But you found yourself here now. So what are you going to do? Respond? I hope so. I hope you respond with faith. With works of faith. You know, um, we, again, wanted that guy to finish our work at the house. At the end of the day, I had to do it myself, and I'm still not done. But um, somebody else will step in, but why not you get the joy of serving God? 
you know, we, we've talked about before many years ago in our church, you know, having sin in the camp. You know, Achan is a great example. You know, the whole nation of Israel is there, but one individual is hiding something. Sin in the camp. He stole something. You remember from, uh, from uh, what am I looking for? Jericho. Thank you. I was thinking of I, but it was Jericho. He steals something from Jericho and puts it under his tent. And they go to war after defeating Jericho, which was a huge fortified city. And they go to war with some podunk group of people and they lose. And they come back and say to God, what in the world is going on? He says, they're sitting in the camp. They're sitting in the camp. You may think you're on an island. You're just doing your own thing. That your sin only affects you, but it doesn't. It affects us all. It affects... And that's what, the, that's what that story shows to us. It's what the story of Jesus shows to us. If you think about it, why is He dying on the cross? Because we did that. I did that. I participated in that. And so did you. But it's also the good news that we have to offer is there is a social holiness available. It's the only kind of holiness there is. is getting involved in the lives of other people. It's the only thing that, you know, John Wesley, who's the founder of Methodism, it's the only thing he believed in. There is no holiness where you just stand as some holy statue and say, look at what I did, I haven't sinned in X amount of years. That's not what it's about. It's about good works. It's about giving yourself. You want to overcome evil? Overcome it with good. Not, 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 I mean, we're about to go through, through Lent. February 18th is Ash Wednesday. I mean, it's coming quick. It's not just a time of giving things up, but of also giving ourself out to God. It's not just cutting off, but it's cutting off to prune. Notice the imagery here in John 15. My Father's the vine dresser, Jesus says. Jesus is the vine, the Father's the vine dresser, and He will lop off things in your life. He'll say, stop it, quit it, in order to produce more fruit. So this morning... The message is clear in John 15 here. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Do you have that love in your heart? You may think you do, but some of you are really deceiving yourselves. You're only only loving those who can love you back. We're going to be doing some things this year where the people that we're going to go love will not love you back. They don't know how. They They don't have the resources to. But that's the kind of stuff Jesus called us to. Isn't it? Isn't that the kind of mission that He's called us to? And that actually starts tomorrow for you as you go back to work, as you see your friends, as you interact with people tomorrow. That's where it begins. We can talk about ministry, but you also it's got to work itself out in your actual life, in your per- how you treat your husband, how you treat your wife. This is where the rubber meets the road. So, what I'm saying is we need God's help. What I'm saying is I need God's help with that. If we're going to be His elect people, that's a big responsibility. He has paid it all. He's already paid for the work to be done. It's time for us now to pick up our shovel and get to work. I know you'll join me because your hearts beat for Jesus Christ. And that is so encouraging that we have a church that cares about the mission that God has called us to. 
It's unbelievable. Even these kids back here, that's a ministry. The setup, that's a ministry. The music, that's a ministry. The praying, that's a ministry. So let's, let's, let's keep up the good work and grow something that we can share with our city. Pray for our city. There's a lot of darkness, a lot of bad stuff that happens, sometimes under the scenes. But you know what? The good news is, the hope is Jesus. And He's called us to represent Him and His love. It's a big calling. Let's step up to it. He's right here willing to help with His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will meet you in a real way to change who you are. It's unbelievable. The change. Just as Pete was saying earlier, the change that can happen in a small group. Get involved. Open yourself up and see what God can do with you. He can make you into somebody that you never thought possible. Just like He can do something with our church that we never thought possible. So let's go to Him with our faith, with our works, with our very body to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. What a paradox, huh? Sacrifices are dead, you know. They are killed. But this is a living sacrifice. Amen.